This is the 966, episode 87. Richard, 87. Wilson, hello. We are climbing up there in the numbers. This is amazing. How are you? Are you I'm, I'm doing great. And we were just chatting beforehand while we chat all the time. But uh, everyone's different, too. Each one is different. And we were just laughing about an unexpected theme for this episode that, you know, we'll get to. But, you know, I didn't anticipate it. Uh, you know, it's kind of it's just kind of it's kind of fun. Well, great minds, of course, think alike, Richard. <laughs> and so it was tight. really uncanny how our two one big things overlap a little bit here. And we're going to get to that in a second, which is just <laughs> and that's why we're like, let's just record now. We're already laughing at this. Right, um, we were. <laughs> <laughs> um, Richard, we do have a really great show this week. We will be talking a bit about Via Riyadh, which is a new district, a new development that just launched in the capital city near the diplomatic quarter. In just a few seconds, we'll be talking about your one big thing. And this time, Richard, I'm not going to spoil it for you. I'm going to let you go in totally yeah. uh, just bare and ready to go. Um, and uh, we really appreciate everybody uh, listening and commenting to this. It's starting to become just so it always has been motivating, Richard, but it's just really cool to see just this feedback come in and hearing from people all over the world in comment sections, WhatsApp, email. Um, it just, it's really cool. It feels like we have a lot of friends online now, which is, well, which is really cool. And they seem to like our stuff, which is really rewarding. I mean, humbling, but it's really, I mean, it's just nice. I mean, we, we know, we've talked about it at the beginning. We were going, all right, we talk about this stuff all the time. Let's record it. And I think our, we didn't have expectations. So it's nice that, uh, it plays beyond you and me because you and I think are, you know, we think we're. You know, it's interesting stuff, but it, it has been really rewarding. And thank you to our listeners. Yes, thank you to them. And actually, some of the feedback we've gotten, I want to read a little bit. Um, we did a segment last week on the Lucid and Lucid's disappointing earnings. A comment from Vicki Kennel. She said, she, I hope, uh, I have the touring model, the best car I've ever owned. Ride and packaging is just fantastic. Looks very distinctive. Want cheap quality lunchbox on wheels? Buy a Tesla. Want a well-engineered car? Buy a Lucid. <laughs> um, we don't necessarily agree or disagree with any of the comments we get. Uh, just nice to hear the feedback and nice <laughs> to see people engaged. Um, we got another really great one from Trimex Richard um, as well, just talking about uh, how in, how interesting it will be to see uh, successful integration with the uh, EV supply chain in KSA. Trimex is uh, really smart, so we appreciate him tuning, tuning in and, and commenting. Another one um, from Steve Nelson. I mean, this is all Lucid related because this one generated a lot of uh, feedback. Uh, first rule of business is to have profitable sales. So far, Lucid has not shown any path to profitability. Their U.S. factory is here outside of Tucson, Arizona, showing thousands of unsold cars in the parking lot. Points to a demand problem and now building another factory. Gonna, shoulda, woulda, make even more models is not a plan. Okay, so we're getting them from both sides here. We have, we have Vicky who loves Lucids. We have Steven who lives near a big Lucid parking lot. Um, but we love the <laughs> feedback and this type of engagement really makes this a, a cool forum. So we, we appreciate it from everybody. It is useful. And, and that Lucid dive was instructive. Um, Tesla's killing it, obviously. But um, Lucid's losing at this juncture, something like $200,000 on each car it sells. Hmm. And that's not, a, as, as Steve Nelson points out, that's not a winning formula. Now it's, it's sort of a, the, uh, it's, it's a path that's been trod by, you know, and many other corporations and including EVs before Tesla included. 
where you know it's all you're you're lose initially but yeah they need to you know they're obviously hoping for it to tick over uh gain some efficiencies uh and start making money on each car instead of losing money on each car mm-hmm the cars are sweet though. They are really cool. Oh, I don't know about calling Tesla lunchbox on wheels. Those Teslas are pretty nice, but Lucid is also really nice. And as we discussed a few weeks ago, Richard got to drive one and managed to not crash it, which is also really cool. Good job, Richard. <laughs> you know, it's got a, yeah, as we, as Lucid drivers know, and actually Tesla too, I mean, it's got real zip. It was mm-hmm. quite the experience. It's a gorgeous, gorgeous vehicle. Just yeah. beautiful. And it'd be, it'd be great to see it succeed. Um, but, but you know, I, I, I as we as we've talked about, we we'll, we'd be happy to to flack Lucids just for a little sponsorship, uh, you know, thrown our way. I was just about to say this is not a paid ad for Lucid. We genuinely think they're cool, but we are willing to take delivery of a Lucid, <laughs> and we will talk about it uh, ad nauseum. So, um, yes, Richard, let's get into it. Episode eighty-seven. What's your one big thing this week? Yes, it's the theme. It's the theme, the un- unforeseen theme. So we had a couple of articles in this week's editions of the Sustig Review. Um, one was on the renaming of, and, and funny enough, each of these is going to be in our yellow. So this is going to be a double up, which is which is fun. Uh, one was on the renaming of two districts near King Salman Park as a larger, quote, King Salman neighborhood. And the other was on Via Riyadh, which is a newly opened luxury shopping and entertainment destination in Riyadh. Uh, that Lucian's going to dive into. Both of these articles reference, quote, Salmani architecture, unquote. Um, And in fact, Via Riyadh, and I don't want to steal your thunder, I I won't, Lucian, but, you know, Via Riyadh in particular, and if we have pictures, it's interesting for our our viewers anyway to see, you know, builds itself as a showcase of Salmani architecture. So, um, we were talking, Lucian and I, and, and we both sort of, this clicked over in our brains, you know, what is Salmani architecture? So I did a little research, and and one of the best parts of the 966 is that I got to learn something new. So let's, let's jump into this. Uh, according to a 2018 article, he wrote in Arab News, Prince Abdulaziz bin Mohammed bin Ayaf, who was then on the board of the Riyadh Science Foundation and previously mayor of Riyadh, wrote that, quote, Although many projects and references highlight the special style of architecture and construction in Riyadh, the term Salmani has, was never used in, in the literature, unquote, prior to his article. So the author was saying that he, he coined the phrase. Uh, so if that's true, the term is pretty recent, 2018. But he pointed out, and I think many, anybody observing you know, construction in Riyadh over the decades, he pointed out whether the name is new or not, the design ethic behind Salmani architecture has always been a big part of the current King Salman's governing ethic. Now, we know, you know King Salman has been king since 2015, but as we've talked about in the 966, and many of our listeners know, um, King Salman served as governor of Riyadh for over 40 years, from 1954 to 2011. And <clears throat> it was the primary driver in just about every aspect of Riyadh's development. It's his baby, really. Um and during that span, you know, we see Riyadh growing a lot today, but it's had serious growth first before. And during that span, uh, Riyadh saw unbelievable growth. Between, I saw an interesting statistic, between 1977 and 1986, an average of 11,500 building permits were issued annually in Riyadh. 
Newsweek, aren't you know, US-based Newsweek, labeled it the quote, biggest construction site in human history, unquote. Um, and when I first came to Riyadh in the mid eighties, I mean, I mean the bird, I mean the crane, cranes were everywhere. It's like the national bird and, and all the time. Um, but so obviously a lot of this construction was not was private sector and that sort of thing. But um, and inevitably, you know, the time, you know, the construction style was architecture style was derivative, but often isn't very attractive and wasn't very authentic. But then, then Governor Salman, um, who was always a, a great champion of maintaining local historical, political, social, and architectural heritage, he he always opposed uh, uh, the adoption of of modern Western or Eastern styles, and he, and he considered them irrelevant or not appropriate to the local environment. So, in beginning in the nineteen seventies, if you look at Riyadh. Almost all of the major public projects under the Riyadh municipality, municipality have have been connected to his school of thought, which is sort of a blend of modern and traditional, and trying to take cues from from the local environment. And and uh, you know, uh, somebody who lives in Riyadh or most Saudis could name them. But if you look at these buildings, you know, in '73, the General Organization for Soci uh, Social Insurance (GOSI) was built. Sama Building was built. Saudi Fund for Development. You know, uh, you know, from from going into King Khalid International Airport, that that was built in '83. It's getting old now, but it has you know design elements that aren't necessarily Western. Um, same thing, uh, Ministry of Foreign Affairs built in '84. King Saud University, where I worked, built in '84. Um, diplomatic quarter, you've seen that. You know, these are all distinctive architectural designs that uh, sort of mix modern and traditional. And so so the ethic has been there. Um, and you've heard me sort of rave about it when we've been, you know, moving around Riyadh, Lucian, how much I love the King Fahd National Library, which is a really interesting design that brings in a lot of features. It's beautiful at night. It was built in 1986. So anyway, a, a, a quote, Salmani architectural style has existed for some time. Um, but as with so many things, it, it really took the launch of Vision 2030, which, as we know, Vision 2030 you know, prefers to apply metrics and ben benchmarks to, to everything. And part of that was the establishment of what's called the King Salman Charter for Architecture and Urbanism, which was established in 2020. And this is when Salmani architecture really became official policy, uh, even though it was sort of operational policy. Um, and in the CEO of that commission, the Architecture and Design Commission, uh, uh, Dr. Sumaya Al-Soleiman says, quote, and I'll, I'll, I'll read his thing because it, it infuses a lot of what's going on now. The launch of this charter is a major step in the development of the architecture and design sector in the kingdom by creating urban environments that reflect our cultural and natural heritage. We are showing pride in our identity, embracing it for future generations. Our aim is to inspire architects and designers to create innovative and unique designs that tell stories of our past, reflect our national identity, and inspire future generations, unquote. Um, the, the charter, there actually are, there, there's six core values of ceremony architecture. I won't go into them, but their authenticity, continuity, human centricity, 
livability and innovation and sustainability. Um, so anyway, it's interesting to me, and it was an education to me because this is, these are things that I feel like I've seen for decades. I hadn't really put a name to it. Um, and it's also interesting because I think most Saudi, non-Saudis um, are really more familiar with like things like the Kingdom Tower or the CGI renditions of the line, which are very modernistic in a traditional style. You know what I mean? Mirrors and that sort of thing. Uh, but uh, most of the new architecture in Saudi Arabia, particularly in Riyadh, falls into the Salmani architectural style. And and apparently, uh, according to some of the articles I read, the the quote the term Salman, uh, Salmanic architecture is in all project briefings these days. So if you're going in and you're you're, you're pitching a, an architectural design, it has to fit these these core values of Salmani architecture. Um, and you see it like like I mentioned the DQ, but Bougeri Terrace where you've been, Lucian. Um, uh, you know, it's a very distinctive style. Uh, so anyway, I want to I want to circle back to it, but it, it, essentially, if you've been in Riyadh and you thought that some of the architecture was unique and something that you hadn't seen before, it is, and it's intentional. I mean, it's it's Salmani architecture, and and I I've, I find it very interesting to put a name to it because, as I said, it, you know, you, you sense that it was a specific design and type and and genre. Uh, and I like a lot of it, but, uh, and as I did this, this one big thing, I sort of, it sort of occurred to me why I like it. And I'll come back to that, Lucian. I'll let you weigh in since so many architecture is the theme of the day. Well, um, Richard, that, first of all, that's one of my favorite one big things that you've done because right. it was complete. Well, just to say, cause it's, you know, you, both of us, it's weird. We both saw the word recently used and it sort of stood out as like, oh, uh, I haven't really seen that word before, but it kind of immediately made sense as to what it was. It yeah. was the design of Riyadh and it was the design of, of Saudi Arabia, sort of an authentic Saudi identity and, and a visual association with new construction and, and new things being built. And actually, as we'll talk about later in the episode, uh, the refurbishment of old neighborhoods now in Riyadh will start to sort of get this. You see this too, and you mentioned a lot of the places where this is going, and you see this on the side of the roads at inter uh, intersections or roundabouts, I guess, or I don't know how they do it with like the circles or whatever, but like you can see that they're building this style of landscaping next yeah. to highways. And a lot of it includes things that are, you know, like plants that will definitely not die in the sun in the summer, but, you know, look good in the winter and some of them even flower. We were both there in March, Richard, and it was um, really cool to see how many flowers there were yeah. coming out. It was like yeah. a spring for Riyadh, which is really cool. Um, this is just so good. And, and I would have looked over this and glanced over this and had you not done this one big thing, Richard, I would have just assumed that it was just a new name on kind of a general idea of architecture. And then when you told me it was going to be your one big thing, I was like, Oh, whoa. So it's like a thing. It's a big thing. And it's actually <laughs> five things. It's five sort of rules that, that govern the identity of it. It just is really cool. And, as you were talking, Richard, I was thinking too, like this, what, what stands out about this architecture is that it, it wouldn't, it looks and feels like Riyadh, right? But it wouldn't fit in, in Washington, DC or New York city. If you were to have this in other locations in the world, it would really stand out and be sort of like, whoa, what is that? It's a sort of sand colored building. 
But in Riyadh, it sort of blends in. It's like the identity. Mm -hmm. um, and I just think that that's really cool. I mean, if you think about what the identity design of any U.S. city is, there isn't really any one thing. There isn't a theme like Washington, D.C. founded fairly late as far as U.S. cities go on the East Coast. The U.S. government just took Greek revival and Greek design. And so all of our federal buildings look like they're right out of Greece, <laughs> uh, which is kind of, which, I mean, because we want to make a symbol of democracy and that was the original right. one, but it's just interesting like that. So we don't really have that. And you think of row houses in DC and that, but then you have skyscrapers, it's all over the place. And New York city is just, I mean, everything, you know, so there isn't like one identity, one identity to any of these cities, but in Riyadh, it's like, oh, we're, you know, you were to be blindfolded and take it off and look around. You're like, oh, we're in Riyadh. I, yeah. you know, I, I can kind of recognize this. So um, before I kick it back to you, cause I, I want to hear more, but this is, is this specific to Riyadh or are other areas like the Rua Al Medina project or any of these other sort of new developments that are happening around other cities, are they taking on this architecture? They, I know Salman was the governor of Riyadh and right. like you said, Riyadh is sort of his baby, but does this expand out across Arabia? Like, well, um, and actually this is interesting. Um, I think in, you know, vision 2030, since it's so comprehensive, yes. I mean, there are, so there are uh, like, for example, the uh, the uh, Hajj tents, you know, in Jeddah, and a lot of construction uh, in Mecca, Medina, and Jeddah. The clock tower is is an unusual thing. You know, we won't talk about that since it's just so large; it's almost even hard to hard to even internalize it. But um, I, I think uh, I, I think you know because Jeddah is a port city and has been you know has has a style of its own. Um. You know, it'll be really interesting how they do Jetta Central, which is this twenty billion dollar project redo. They're retaking, you know, they've 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 they're reclaiming a, a whole swath of neighborhoods and 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 renovating and updating. It'll be interesting. I'm my guess as Albany Salmani style, but it, I'm sure it'll have Jetta elements because Jetta does have a character of its own. I associate mostly with Riyadh, um, also because I think it's interesting. Uh, you know, it's a lot of the colors that you get in Riyadh in terms of the architecture are desert colors. Um, and, yeah. and that's what, and I, I'm going to throw something at you because as I was going through this, I was going, why do I like this? I think it's really cool. Um, and I think this will speak to you because you, you usually stay when you go there, you often stay in the King Abdullah financial district, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Next uh, to it or the uh, Riyadh digital city. Um, all right. That's closet. another one. Another that's one. another yeah. one. Mm-hmm. All right, so I was looking at this, and I'm going, what's distinctive about this? And, and by the way, I'm a layman. Obviously, we're both layman. We don't know what we're talking about. And so experts in the field would have, you know, smoked this out years ago. They, I, Al Daiwan, our architecture guest from a few months yes, ago, is rolling exactly. her eyes being like, going, <laughs> you guys are you just idiots. discovering this? Yeah. <laughs> you should have had me back on the show. <laughs> But two things, Mushrabia. All right, so you know Mushrabia, and uh, this is, you know, this is the intricate, usually wood, uh, lattice work or designs that uh, uh, you, you see. You know, Damascus, Cairo, Jeddah. You know, Al Bala. area is famous for its Mushrabia, and these were screens and and coverings and that sort of thing that would, you know. Uh, many purposes. One, it would it would manage the heat. It would deflect the sunlight. It would you know uh, provide privacy, uh, and it's beautiful. Mm -hmm. 
And if you look at you like the KFD, almost almost every big building in in Saudi, uh, especially recently, has some sort of cladding or or you know a, a exterior surface that is a design feature and it it, it I, to me it's a, it's a take on mushrobia uh, to me so next time you look at the kfd and you, all those buildings you'll see there's the the main building but then there's cladding on it that that essentially acts like mushrobia you know it it deflects the sun but it also it's a it's a really interesting design feature and i think that's distinctive to the salmani um architecture and this is just me talking mm -hmm. and and i like it um the other thing is is you know in islam the um you know certainly the religion as it's founded is that you you know the only only allah is capable of you know depicting humans so muslim artists didn't you know there wasn't weren't depictions of human and animal humans or animals and they really uh, gravitated to geometric designs and specifically Islamic tiles. And you think, think about some of the stuff we think is really cool. Capsar, the, you know, you, you and I both toured with our good friend, uh, Jacob mom, the, the Metro station at KFD, which is, you know, that, which will open shortly. And, and Bechtel was head of that consortium. That's all, that's all tiles. Mm-hmm. It's all amazingly intricate design tiles. And, you know, it's that diamond triangular, that's a diamond shape, essentially, that in, 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 a, in a, you know, infinite variety of shapes and colors. And, and it creates a, a really distinctive design. And so when I'm going through, so when I'm looking at this, I'm going, God, I see so much of this, you know, the sort of the wave to mushrobia on the buildings, the, the, the uh, implementation and usage of, of, of the tiles uh, in a lot of design work. I think it's beautiful. And I do think it's, you see it a lot around Riyadh. It's distinctive. And Richard, the other one you mentioned earlier in your one big thing is the library has that as well, which yeah. is really, really cool. Yeah. Um, and that's just such an amazing building uh, right on Aulia street there. And it's so big um, and it's just beautiful. And you look at that and you go, all right, that's, that's, futuristic but really it's a take on mushrobia mm -hmm. uh and it's a take on the you know repeating dynamics and of of of, of tiles and islamic art. you know it's just it's just a really organic and, and striking building and like i said it's gorgeous at night and i i couldn't figure it out this is really weird and this is more than people want to know but i so i'm in Riyadh, and uh, well, you you know you've been there and i'm going I kept going by this one building. I'm going, I really like that building. It speaks to me. And I go by it during the day and I think that's really cool and authentic. I go by it during the night. It's gorgeous. It's lit up. And it's the, um, it's the Al-Raji Bank headquarters. Hmm. And you yeah. may not even notice it, but it's all it is. It's, it's, it looks just like a tower, but it's got the way it's done, you know, incorporates this textured sand colored pillars sort of uh uh you know the glass is is not a you're not symmetric all the way up it sort of swoops up um it's just it's so understated but it's really gorgeous to me and, yeah and, and because it's near very few other high-rise buildings it's a great yeah, it billboard for out. al raji <laughs> yeah <laughs> um, but it, yeah, it, totally. it was 
you know, if it, I don't know, you know, to me, that'd be, be very much Salmani architecture because part of Salmani architecture is not, you know, not using a lot of elements, you know, using authentic elements and not having a lot of them. Yep. Richard, we should definitely get a, or attempt to get a, a Salmani architecture expert on here I because agree. I feel like this is a good tee up to that. Cause I feel like I think we're both very interested in this and I think it's something that isn't widely really known or appreciated. And I feel like this could be a good platform to get some of that stuff out there. Cause it is really, it's beautiful and it, it is, it's natural. It fits. And I wonder how much overlap there is between some newer developments in the U S Southwest. And maybe there's some borrowing going on from the U S Southwest from Salmani architecture. They deal with a similar problem of intense heat in the winter. I'm sorry, in the summer. And then, rainy seasons a little bit in the winter. So it's, you know, water management and stuff like that. So I, it, this is really interesting and neither of us are architects, obviously. So we're just purely curious about this. And I think it's really cool to get out there. It's a really good one. It is. And I also, I think it's, as a, it's, it's underlying, it's consistent with the vision 2030, which is, which talks a lot about a cultural identity for Saudi Arabia and promotes a cultural and national identity. Mm -hmm. Um, and, you know, it celebrates, as, as so many of the things, celebrates things that uh, organic to Saudi Arabia, you know, from coffee to dates to camels to falcons to, to you know, any number of things. And uh, this is part of it, you know, a homegrown design. Um, and putting a name to it is like any anything is important. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And Richard, I would like to have my own architectural style named after me. That would be really cool. The Ziegler? Um, I, don't, I don't, the Luciani, I guess. I, have Luciani. No idea. I have no idea what it would look like, but if someone was like, do you want that? I'd say yes. And then I'd come up with some sort of plan to be like, do this, like white, white, everything, um, well, glass. I don't know. I was making it up, but it'd be cool. No, it's funny. You mentioned it, the, the Southwest because, and I, I lament it, um, because I was part of this research. I was looking at us design because, you know, we are infested in the U S with this one design, this sort of Lego-like box design, they call it five over one. Mm -hmm. uh, and every, almost every new apartment building has the same ethic. And uh, I was, you know, I, I, you know, I, I guess in 2022, an estimated 420,000 new rental apartments were built in the U.S. And I'm guessing 419,085 of them we're in this design because it's everywhere yeah. and people, people are upset and, you know, builders are saying, well, we have, you know, we have, we have financial constraints, we have regulatory constraints and, uh, but you know, it's called sort of fast casual architecture and it's, but you, now that you've, you've probably noticed it, but I mean, everywhere you go, it's kind of the same, same template. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, yes, we need. Oh, I'm looking at a picture here of the Al Raji Bank building. I'll send that to you. It's uh, cool. Yeah, I can see it from the RDC. I see it all the time. It's it's uh, it is a cool building. There are other, a couple cool ones that are not. I'm sure in the Salmani architecture, they probably get no. I mean, like for example, that twisting tower is really cool. I've never yeah, really yeah. seen that. Um, I call that the DNA tower. Yeah, the DNA, the, the helix tower. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's <laughs> that's really funny. That's in some of the B-roll, by the way. Our YouTube uh, viewers are treated to each week, um, so and you can see some of the some of these architectural elements will actually be in the normal episodes, but we'll have some special uh, art for our viewers this week. And that digital city where you stay, I mean, is like a celebration of Mushrabia. Mm -hmm. 
I mean, that all the facades are clad in that in in a in a design frame, and it, it's it's really neat. It's cool to stand in the middle of those four buildings. The PIF is in one, and then there's a couple, you know, like uh, there's a couple different, there's four of them, and they're all, they're exactly the same. And you stand in the middle, they sort of feel like they curve up around you. It's really rad. I mean, it's kind it of, neat. Um, yeah, it's really interesting to be right in, but it's also uh, very hot in the summer. So in the winter, <laughs> there's a bunch of people out there in the summer. There's not a lot of people on that sandstone sort of courtyard oh, in the yeah, middle because exactly. it, it heats up pretty quick <laughs> it's like a solar array you know it directs that's, all the... <laughs> that's right <laughs> if you if you stand in the middle you'll explode and <laughs> uh richard so we discussed we teased it at the beginning of the show i'm excited my, this is my one big thing LinkedIn. is very very well linked in to your one big thing my one big thing is the opening and launch of via riyadh which is a new entertainment retail and hospitality district in the capital city which is, as we know now, and, and for those of you who just listened to the last segment, if you're just listening to this segment, listen to the segment on Salmani architecture, part of this episode as well. Um, but this is done in the Salmani style. And it's sort of, Richard, sort of like the, I mean, this is now as the most recently launched piece of architecture and design in this style is now the sort of front and center of what this architecture is like. So when I said I was going to do this as my one big thing, you were like, that's basically almost my one big thing. And we we're like, well, let's just... Let's overlap it. So this is a new kind of entertainment, uh, retail, and hospitality district district right near the diplomatic quarter in Riyadh. It's in the Salmani architecture style. Quote, Via Riyadh was designed to work in perfect harmony with the local identity of the capital, preserving the unique identity of the city. The ancient stones that formed the famous Tuwake Mountain in Durma, I'm so sorry, ages ago, were professionally extracted to bring them to the present. The area has a significant place in Saudi history since it was the birthplace of the second Saudi state in the 1820s. So it's located right next to the DQ, but it has this sort of modern, but Salmani feel to it. It's like the sort of sandstone color uh, stone and glass. And then in this case too, part of the design thesis that Richard just talked about is green spaces and sort of uh, harmony with inside and out. And as we just discussed, that's actually planned. That's part of the design and and now sort of part of the rules of this style of architecture. And Richard, it will be interesting. There will probably be some sort of spinoffs of this. Now that this is getting established, you know, there will be, well, this is Neo Salmani. And it's kind of it's kind of yeah. cool. Once you establish something, <laughs> then it gets its own, it gets its own legs. Um, so at a glance, just looking at the new Via Riyadh from the outside, it's cool. It's beautiful looking. It was built in 20 months, which is kind of amazing um, for something so big. So that is fast. The development covers an area of 1.5 million square meters. The shopping mall has a gross lease- leasable area. Is it leasable? Leasable. I think leasable. Leasable area of 600,000 square meters. And it has a cinema with 12 screens, which is would have been unheard of about five years ago. Um, and so it's much of the design and the interior design of some of these luxury brands that are and cafes that are located in via are was done by sued architects and i think that's a french uh, architecture company but the district is also home to riyadh's first saint regis hotel which will have 200 rooms i don't think this is totally complete yet richard i tried um right before the show to book a room for next week just to see if they're available and to see what they'll look like and i don't think the website is quite done it was slated to be done in 2020 but that's coming and that'll enter Riyadh's five-star hotel mix. The restaurants, let's talk about food, should be pretty nice. <laughs> Wolfgang Puck brought his Los Angeles restaurant Spago to Via Riyadh, which is now open. 
the stars are really coming out. I'll come back to food in a second. The stars are really coming out to promote this, Richard. We had Ahmed Al-Khatib, Minister of Tourism, tweet late last week that Lionel Messi and his family treated themselves to a delightful selection of international cuisine and luxurious shopping experience at Via Riyadh. A video promotion featuring Modern Family star Sofia Vergara was unveiled ahead of the opening. So there's like a promo video for this with Did her you see in that? it. I didn't. I just saw that there was a video. It's really involved. I mean, it's a Is long, it? it's almost like a mini, mini, uh, it's, it's something. They really, really, really went all out for that. Sorry, I interrupted. No, that's good. That's good uh, info. I'll have to watch that. She's easy to look at. Um, yeah. We've talked a lot about Riyadh as a food town, Richard, coming back to food again. Um, so there'll be uh, Spago from Wolfgang Puck. Then we'll have Gymkhana, an Indian restaurant, Medeo, Italian, Scott's, which is seafood. I mean, the, all of these restaurants look incredible. Like yeah. all of them will slot into the top tier of Riyadh's dining experiences. Then you have Sexy Fish, Richard, which is Asian Sexy fusion. Sexy Fish. And then my favorite, and I'm 1 million percent going to eat there in a week or two if it's open, is Wagyu Mafia, which is a celebration of Wagyu beef. <laughs> favorite. And I will be packing an artery there um, in a few weeks. <laughs> so, yeah, Richard, this is, you know, this isn't a giga project. This isn't some mega development, but this is a meaningful value add to people living in Riyadh and visiting Riyadh. And it's a new tourism destination to those that are in town. So pretty cool. You're right. It came out and, you know, there wasn't, it happened quickly. Um, yeah. And uh, you, oh, you did mention, and uh, you mentioned so many things, there's so many things going on here that it also has an exhibition called seven. Mm. which Showcases some of the most valuable and rare classic cars in history. How did I miss that? I, I feel like I spent a lot of time looking at it. Where, where well, was you that? did. I mean, well, there's because there's so much. I mean, there's so much, and I know you'd love that. But I was when I was in Aula, um, they had an exhibition uh, of of all the old cars. So you know, over the over the decades, so you know, cars going back to the you know, 30s, 40s, and 50s, and so on. And that was, I, of course, I was was compelled to, to go over and look at that. But the other thing that I think is interesting about Via Riyadh, so much of so much of the new stuff, new social stuff, and and you know things that are attractions are up north in Riyadh. And this is not. This is this is sort of little a little uh, east, a little west rather, down towards the DQ, and uh, you know so it's 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 a you know it's an it's, it's an outpost it's a new outpost in that area which is always great because you know it's nice to have distribution of your entertainment and dining uh hotspots 100 percent um we will feature some images and some video of this for those of you watching on youtube you'll you'll see it here and i can't really figure it out but it's to my left i think that's right and maybe it's over there. Hopefully, it, well, look, fifty <laughs> percent chance I get that right, but you'll see it there. It's it's really cool, and it's just kind of part of this new like Riyadh is changing grand theme of this episode, and then just everything in Saudi Arabia. And it's kind of cool. It's it's uh, you know, I mean, it makes it easier for for families to visit from you know with traveling businessmen. I mean, like things like this really add up over time. The other question that I just thought about, Richard, is is the new Mukab is that gonna be is that salmani that's salmani right it's got well, again be. it's got that whole mushrobia effect i mean yeah. the whole thing has has the facade and and that sort of thing um uh, i get I'm, I'm guessing in terms of 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 color palette and 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 
materials used, it will be. Mm-hmm. Um, but that, you know, it's hard to know. And but and we have to remember that New Maraba is a huge, huge residential and and retail area outside of the the the, the macabre. So I'm sure all of that will have the green spaces and the rock and the and and that sort of thing. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how that comes along. And and like you said, I, you know, just to reiterate on your your one big thing, you know, the the theme of the episode is Salmani architecture. So when you look at the the images that you know Lucian will put into the video side of this, you know, and that's supposed to be representative of you know a lot of Salmani architecture. It's just it's edifying doing this, Richard, with you because I just feel like you know, I mean, we would kind of do it anyway, but then you get sort of this prompt that forces you into rabbit holes you may not have gone down, and this was a really good one, and it was cool that we had some overlap. And actually, let's get to Yella because we're going to keep the theme going, Richard. Themes, themes. Um, Saudi intimate. Yella. Yella. <laughs> Uh, (laughs) we're transitioning we're like flipping we are we're getting good at this we should get some syndication deals going Um, you know we've already had we've got our warm-up now we've got our 87 episode warm-up we're ready for the prime time we should get paid outrageous amounts to do this silliness Mm -hmm. we should we should um we'll take as our down payment a lucid Yes. And then that will that will get us. I mean, and it's not a what a lunchbox on wheels. Lunchbox. <laughs> it's not that. <laughs> um, uh, all right, yellow number one. Uh, Saudi Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman has merged two Riyadh districts and renamed after renamed them after his father, in a tribute to his leadership of more than five decades. Awaha and Salahadin districts, which are located in the heart of the capital, close to King Salman Park, will now be known, along with King Salman Park, as as th- this is all being known as the King Salman neighborhood, according to the Saudi press agency. The areas will be redeveloped and equipped with proper infrastructure and recreational amenities in a manner designed to allow them to keep pace with the growth of the city. Spanning an area of 6.6 square kilometers, the combined district will feature Salmani architecture. There it is. Salmani architecture. Yeah, Richard, this is cool because, and it was in the second to last sentence you read, it's not just that they're taking this area and like, this is King Salman district now. Enjoy the new name. It's like, no, we're, this is the district and we're going to, uh, this is a new area and we're going to actually kind of update it in that Salmani architecture and some of these, you know, they're going to do some neighborhood refurbishment, which is really cool. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it just it's sort of hard to for us in this moment to really describe or characterize how much King Salman has left his imprint and his his really his like heart and soul into Riyadh. As we discussed earlier in this episode, he was governor of Riyadh for the longest time. And, you know, so he has a very close affinity. I mean, it, it is his home. And so it's 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 going to take decades for that to be really appreciated and understood because I mean, he, it's undeniable what is happening in Riyadh, and especially since he took uh, over as king in 2016. Was it 2016 or 20, 2016? 2015. 2015. 2015, yeah. So, I mean, Riyadh has just absolutely transformed since then. And so this is cool. I mean, this is him leaving his mark and his name on this city. It's it's actually really cool. And and it was his son, Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman, who did it. But it just, yeah, I mean, this is appropriate. It's sort of like he's done so much for that city. So it's just really cool to see. 
this makes me very happy because you will recall this. Nobody else will because we didn't have any listeners at the time. One of my very first riffs on the 966 was the seminal role, the pivotal role, the sort of, you know, unavoidably important role that King Salman has played in Saudi history. And um, I, you may recall that, I, you know, I talked about how this was a guy who, you know, grew up governing uh, within a certain paradigm and with certain structures and blew them all up because he thought it was needed for the good, uh, the, the good of the country. And it was a brave move. It was something that he has, you know, he thought about for years. And, and, and interesting enough, so much of what he did as king was based on his experiences as governor of Riyadh for 40 plus years. So he took all that expertise and experience and, and is a, you know, a bright, thoughtful person. And he, he's the one, this is the guy that made vision 2030 and everyone talks about Mohammed bin Salman, but, King Salman is the trigger. The creator is the one who's who who put all this in place and, and set it in motion. Mm-hmm. And I love seeing things like King Salman Park, you know, the largest public park in the world. I love seeing things like you know the 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 new airport is going to be King Salman Airport. I don't think he can get enough credit. He's been a, an extraordinarily important figure in Saudi Arabia. So I, I think this is all very cool. So cool. Richard Yella, number two, contract signed for $1.5 billion for Neom High-Speed Railway to connect port development of Oxagon and the line. Richard, this was announced right after we did our segment last week um, on Neom. And it's, I just sort of wanted to include this because it makes sense to, to add. This is actually a huge deal. Milan, Italy-based WeBuild and its joint venture partner, Shib Al Jazeera Contracting Company, Sajco have signed a contract worth $1.5 billion to design and build 57 kilometers, which is 35.4 miles of a high-speed railway in Neom along the North Red Sea coast of Saudi Arabia, which will connect Oxagon and the line, according to reports. And if you go to our website, Richard, real quick before you uh, uh, jump in here, go to our website, sustg.com. You'll see we have an image for this. We did some research on this an image that actually shows where all of these things, I had to look this up, like where they are located in Neom, which is a that's district. A, yeah. That's a great image. Yep. I had not seen it before. It was, it's really good. We'll throw that up here, <laughs> but right there. Um, but yeah, really cool story. I, yeah, that was, that was a good, that was a good P1 that you did as we call it. Um, uh, and I guess just today, in in the review today, we'll have a note that uh, that port, Oxagon, is now a working port, considered a working port, and they've named it. It was Duba Port. Now they renamed it the Port of Neon. Oh, cool. Um, so it's you know it's all little by little. And I didn't you know we build apparently has been uh, in in Saudi Arabia for since 1966. It's been in there for years, and they've done a lot of. It's an Italian firm. Mm-hmm. done a lot of things in, uh, elsewhere but uh we yeah. build a new name that was as of like 2014 there was you know um i can't remember the name but yeah there, there were not, something else before we build and then they kind of they merge and rebrand so yeah and it's i guess it, as you as you said it's a joint venture agreement um but this these are these are the you know the everyone that looks at the line and that sort of thing there's so much other investable you know investing needs to be done like a railroad worth 1.5 billion you know um, so yes, it's good to see all these things are underway and moving ahead. 
Mm-hmm. Really cool. Um, uh, number three, uh, Saudi Arabia hits record 31.81 millimeter average rainfall in April. Uh, the Ministry of Environment, Water, and Agriculture uh, announced that the average rainfall in various regions of the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia hit an exceptional record of 31.81 millimeters in tw- this April. According to MUA, <laughs> this is the highest average recorded in 40 years. Uh, it is higher than the average of 9.23 millimeters, which it recorded in April 2022. So 31, that's, you know, almost more than 3x. Yeah. Wow. I mean, that's incredible. Uh, I mean, that's uh, that's that's a lot of rain. You could it, There was a lot of rain when we were there, Richard, too. So, I mean, I, I assume that March also had it as well. But it just, it's really cool. I mean, that, you know, and I don't know if this is like climate change. It's just like a, you know, aberration, but it just is, um, yeah, it's really interesting. Well, it's we, been a really nice May here too, Richard. We've had a really good run the last few yeah. weeks here. So we talked about this. We had friends telling us it rained something like, you know, 28 out of 30 days in April. Mm-hmm. Um, it was very noticeable. I found a study. I found a, a longitudinal study uh, done by the King of uh, uh, King Abdul's University from, they studied the rainfall from 78 to 2020. And what they found was that it had been decreasing over those decades until just recently when it has popped back up. And we're talking like, you know, you know, 10.2 centimeters in 2020 and 8.4 in 2020. It'll be, clearly be bigger in, uh, you know, in 2023, so if, unless everything just dries up. But yeah, it seemed it had been on a downtrend since the '70s, and now the last decade has sort of gone on an upturn a little bit. And you do wonder if that has anything to do. They they have cloud seeding operations. They've been greening up. Um, it'd be great to point to that and say there's a connection. I, I guess we won't know for a little bit, but uh, and but those efforts will continue. Certainly, the greening of Riyadh and Saudi Arabia is ongoing, and they just I think they just. Again, in the Sustig review, you'll see that they just contracted for um, a number of cloud seeding aircraft that are going to be delivered shortly, mm-hmm. which is really cool. Yeah, Richard, I, I you you know this well, but the, when I was I did the p- panel moderation at the PIF forum, a private sector forum, it was at the Kingdom Center. It was in it was like right in downtown Riyadh right at the end of it, it just opened up like major thunderstorm with lightning and, you know, heaviest rain I've, I've really seen in person. It, the type of rain you get in Florida every single day where it's just like, <laughs> oh my gosh, we're going to drown. There's so much water coming out of the sky. And it was, there was so much rain and it lasted so long that the city kind of just shut down. Like I tried to get an Uber and it took me four hours and it just wow. kept updating the time. It kept being like, oh yeah, it'll be here in 30 minutes. And by 30 minutes, we mean 50 minutes. And by 50 minutes, we mean next month, you you finally get out of here. Um, but, you know, it, it's crazy, too. Any city that gets a lot of rain like that is at risk of flooding if the drainage system isn't excellent and, and you know, well prepared to handle it. Washington, D.C. is a city that has had issues with this, yeah. um, you know, because it's if you don't have it, if you're not ready for it, the water on cement and in you know downtown areas really adds up. So. Yeah, I mean, I was like, man, I'm, and, and my flight was later that night too. I was like, I got to just make it to the airport at this point. Like, I'll just leave all my stuff in the hotel. But uh, yeah, so it, it, you know, it, it does rain in Riyadh. People ask that, and it does. Um, so yeah. 
Yeah, and you know, you were stuck because I my fallback because uh, Uber inevitably is. And we've talked about this on the show. You know, be, one of the problems with Saudiization is, for example, you know, all Uber drivers has to be Saudi, and as a result, you you sort of have a at at, at crush time or surge periods, you have a shortage of Ubers. So you know, very quickly you sort of just go out and call a cab. Uh, but if it's raining, like that's that, you know, there aren't any cabs, you know, to hail. Yeah. Nobody's moving anywhere. Like, so no one else is getting anywhere <laughs> so they want to go. You were, so, you were good and stuff. <laughs> exactly right. Uh, Richard Yellow, number four, Saudi Wealth Fund staffs New York unit with Goldman 0.72 hires. The U.S. subsidiary of Saudi Arabia's $730 billion sovereign wealth fund. I didn't realize it was up to 730 now. 650 was the last yeah. number I'd seen. Yeah. Anyway, congrats on the extra 80 billion. Um, <laughs> yeah, is, <laughs> hey, what's another 80 billion um, is hiring from Wall Street firms and top hedge funds to manage its growing portfolio of investments in the country. In January, former point 72 asset management executive Jason Chung joined as head of the New York office of USSA International. That's the fund's U.S. arm after spending almost 13 years at billionaire Steve Cohen's hedge fund, according to LinkedIn. Last month, Meredith Wood Doherty joined from investment firm Bailey Gifford as USSA International's head of compliance and governance, her LinkedIn profile shows. So they're doing some hiring. Yeah, and I think, you know, this is part of their, they, they BIF opened offices in, in New York, London, and Hong Kong. And it looks like they're growing the New York office quickly. I, they, their goals, and you mentioned that, you know, the 730, it's, it bounces around. You have to keep track of it, but it tends to trend up, obviously. And they, they're hoping to break a trillion by 2025, hoping to break 2 trillion by 2030. So they, they're very ambitious. And they're, so they're growing that, certainly growing the U.S. office. Uh, you know, to date, I guess their biggest investment in the U.S. is they have a $20 billion commitment to the Blackstone Infrastructure Partners. Obviously, they have a billion initially invested in Lucid, uh, and they have a bunch of others. It's been fun this first quarter, actually, Lucid, and uh, but you pay attention to this anyway. You know, when Sanabel came out and said, these are the people we're working with in terms of our investment partners, and you got a whole list of American companies that are involved, it's fun to sort of start seeing, see a little bit more uh, you know of, of of what PIF is doing and who they're partnering with and how they focus. You know, uh, you know, obviously they they just. I think is it. I think it's a yellow today. You know, they just invested a little bit more in EA Electronic Arts. Um, so they're very active, and obviously we know they have tremendously ambitious goals. Absolutely. Um, yellow number five. Number five. Uh, modern. Uh, Maden, Maden, a Saudi Arabian mining company, has finalized its agreement with Ivanhoe Electric, Inc. to purchase 9.9 .9 shares in the company and form a 50-50 joint venture to undertake one of the largest exploration programs ever conducted. The deal will provide Maden, through the JV, with access to uh, Ivanhoe Electric's breakthrough typhoon geophysical survey technology, which will accelerate the exploration of Saudi Arabia's lands, estimated to hold... U.S. 1.3 trillion of untapped minerals. Just a lot more activity, Richard, in the mining and mineral sector for Saudi Arabia. They're just that their commitment to really exploring and expanding where their 
where they're mining from and, and who is allowed to mine. And, and, and we talked about this on a previous episode, the Hanagia mine. I yes. It. Yes. You got to say it. Hanagia. <laughs> um, and, and just like using, having this sector open up as a way to diversify the economy because it is non-oil and there are a lot of resources in Saudi Arabia. And, and, you know, there's a lot of like, this is about exploration and finding out what is there and, and what might be extracted. So this is just more, uh, this is an update of a, of a theme we've kept going here, Richard on mining and, and minerals sector is one of the fastest growing in, in Saudi Arabia. Well, this is, this is, uh, this brings together a number of threads. I think it's a smart investment. I'm sure other people do it, but it's very vision 2030 ish. And I say that because all right, mining, we know, Mining is a sector that they really want to develop. It's a key industrial uh, area that they see as a huge profit opportunity, even though they're making money off it anyway. I mean, like they often talk about as a third leg between, uh, you know, oil, petrochemicals and mining. So here's Ivanhoe Electric, which has, you know, uh, key technology. And so they're going to give you, so the JV is, all right, here's 120 plus million dollars. 66 of that or that 66 of that needs to be is going to be committed to coming to the Saudi and using this technology to explore like something like close to 50 square kilometers of land basically an area larger than Denmark you know to see what our potential is for copper nickel gold silver and all sorts of strategic mineral discoveries so so it's it's a it's an it's a smart move, you know. I we're making an investment in a company that it's a good investment in and of itself, standalone. But now we're going to take that technology. And you're going to come over here and help us develop this sector. It's it's a lot of tie-ins, and it's it's a smart play. I love it, Richard. Yella number six. Um, yes, you're right. More PIF. Saudi Arabia's PIF is pumping more money into the gaming industry and has increased its stake in the American gaming company Electronic Arts by 55%. The PIF held 16.1 million shares in the FIFA and Madden NFL game publisher before Q4 2022, but after Q1 2023, it held 24.81 million shares, according to financial research publisher Seeking Alpha. Saudi Arabia has already made investments in Activision, Activision Blizzard and take two interactive from the United States. So our listeners will be delighted to learn. They know that, you know, anybody listens know that these things move around, the yellows move around. And this last one was a late addition. And people will be delighted to know, some people will be delighted to know, in particular, a very good friend of ours, that it bumped a yellow on the PGA Tour and Live Golf. <laughs> so maybe we'll do that next week all you especially, had to do is say golf richard that's especially, all you had to do now especially we're <laughs> you know we've got a big we've got a big uh match this weekend with the pga you know to see if they you know and you know if we can cause you know stir the stir the pot a little bit if a live golfer wins a, a u.s major but anyway we, i digress but uh yes the ea sports um you know, Saudi. This is an area, obviously, that Saudi Arabia's made a big commitment to, uh, and and supposedly are uh, you know have set up to commit thirty eight billion dollars to the gaming industry, and and you know with the intent of not only investing in a, in a profitable sector but also developing a homegrown gaming gaming industry. So this is this is interesting to see that they're you know they're absolutely 
you know, committing to this bet. Yeah, that's like one of their bigger sectors now as part of the PIF portfolio is gaming, the future of e-gaming. And there's a lot of reasons behind that, including that Saudis like to game as well. And it's not just these investments, Richard. They've held many conferences and like game offs or, or tournaments and stuff for, for gaming and e-gaming. So it's a, a sector that they've identified as significant in the next few decades and, yeah. and growing. So it's it's strategic. But yeah, they, they keep... An, I guess Nintendo as well. Um, there's some yes. others from Japan. So yeah, um, very cool. Richard, this was a good, tight episode. Well done and with a nice consistent theme too. You love that. I love that. That was, and that was entirely accidental. Let's, let's claim it. Let's say it was planned, but. Oh yeah, we you worked know, all week to make sure it synced up perfectly. <laughs> we, we map out the themes, you know, what? what, eight months in advance? Yeah, at least. Um, yeah. Before, and then know, it goes to a committee. Week. of <laughs> show. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm glad this one made it through the censors. Um, but uh, that was fun. And like you say, and we both agree, it was an educational one, and which is, you know, if, if nobody else benefits, we did. I'm smarter today than I was when we, when we first, you know, we started prepping for this episode. Mm -hmm. And everyone keep the comments coming. We love seeing them. I mean, they just really, it's really cool. And it, it's uh, just great to see the the feedback and the conversation. That's really what we're trying to do here is just talk. And <laughs> we'd like to invite input. And if anybody listening, hears our segments on Salmani architecture and Richard's one big thing and, and knows of a, a particular expert in this subject, please let us know and, and refer them to us. And we would like to speak with them. I think it'd be cool. It would be cool. I'm going to reach out to the commission. Uh, uh, um, commission that mm -hmm. is responsible for this. It's under the Ministry of Culture. And it's interesting. Um, the best article I read on it is by a woman now who's in the, in the public works for uh, uh, department for the city of Chicago. Um, you know, I guess she was just, this was something she was doing at the time. But anyway, yeah, we would love to get it. And there's so many other things, you know, we want to, we want to get someone from the Heritage Commission. Oh yeah. If you hear us, you have suggestions, please share them. And better yet, if you have a you know contacts, please please let help us know. Me. Yeah, let us that'd know. Be, Absolutely, it'd be awesome. Richard, thank you very much. See you next awesome. week, man. <laughs> Nicely done. Nicely done.